0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Highway Communities weekly podcast. It's really great to be here with you, whether you're tuning in live or after the fact. Thank you so much for your presence. Today, we're concluding our teaching series, Unbounded. In this series, we're moving through the beautiful story found in the Old Testament book of Ruth and looking at the ways that God redeems trying times in unexpected ways through relationships. Relationships which are marked by chesed. Chesed is a Hebrew word which describes God's kind of love, the love he extends to us and has in store for us to extend to others. It's dynamic and encompasses many facets. Hasid encompasses unfailing love. We saw this demonstrated in a deeply moving way as Ruth left behind everything in her home nation to cling to her mother-in-law Naomi on the road to Bethlehem and journey with her for life. Hasid also encompasses generous love. We saw Boaz live out God's abundance to Ruth by going above and beyond the call of duty, by providing food, honoring dignity, ensuring physical protection, and extending community to her as she was gleaning in his field. Chesed also encompasses reciprocal love, Last week, we saw Naomi reciprocate the sacrificial clinging love that she received from Ruth as she sacrificially releases her to find a home where Ruth will be well provided for. And today, as we continue this narrative and move through Chapter 4, we'll look at another dimension of Hassid. Today, we're exploring faithful love. When we left off in our story, Ruth had made it known to Boaz, who's related to Naomi's deceased husband, Elimelech, that she's no longer in the mourning phase of being widowed. And on Naomi's prompting, Ruth puts on different clothes, puts on perfume, and makes it known to Boaz that she's available and desires that he become her husband as the guardian redeemer of Elimelech's family. A guardian redeemer is the closest male relative in an Israelite family who's charged with guarding or restoring the rights of that family. There was a wide breadth of responsibilities that a redeemer held. These ranged from buying a fellow Israelite out of slavery, see Leviticus 25.48, to avenging the death of a family member, see Numbers 35.19. To carrying on the family name by marrying a childless widow. See Deuteronomy 25 5 through10. To buying back land that a family couldn't afford to keep. See Leviticus 25:25. 25, 25. The Guardian Redeemer is all about providing for a family in ways that they're unable to provide for themselves. And Boaz, a man of character, immediately steps up and provides for Ruth. The first way that he does this is to let her know that there's a closer relative to Elimelech, who, as the actual family guardian redeemer, has first right of refusal to marry her. And then Boaz reassures Ruth that if this closer relative declines, He'll claim the Redeemer responsibilities. So, Boaz reveals insight and information about who the Guardian-Redeemer is, and he also gives her peace of mind. As today's passage unfolds, we find Boaz hoping to encounter this closer relative to bring conclusion to the whole matter. So Boaz waits for the Guardian-Redeemer at the city entrance, at the town's gate. In the ancient Near East, town gates were where business took place. It was where legal and religious matters were settled. You can think of it as an outdoor courthouse meets city council chamber. And sure enough, no sooner does Boaz sit down at the gate than the guardian redeemer shows up. Once again in this story, we see a really remarkable coincidence. Such a coincidence that there's absolutely no way it's a coincidence. God's hand is all over it. Boaz asks the Redeemer to have a seat and gathers 10 of Bethlehem's elders. Then, before the elders and all who are at the gate to bear witness, Boaz explains the situation. Starting in Ruth chapter 4 verse 3, we read, then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, Tell me, so I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. So, Boaz makes it known that Elimelech's land is for sale, and tells the closer relative that he has the right to buy it. And what does this relative say? Well, he says he's in. But... There's more to the deal than he realizes at this point, and Boaz continues on with the details. Part of accepting the Redeemer role is agreeing to marrying Ruth, the Moabite, a foreigner from an enemy nation, and a woman of childbearing age. And this changes everything. The Naomi-only version of this deal was pretty straightforward— Given Naomi's age, there was no expectation that the guardian redeemer would bear or raise children with her. This has massive implications, because with no offspring, there'd be no financial burden to support those children. The property would stay in the redeemer's family line. Remember, both of Naomi's sons died in Moab. And with no offspring, the redeemer's family name rather than Elimelech's name would be perpetuated. And on top of all this, Naomi is from his own nation. She's one of his people. However, with Ruth in the picture, Ruth, who is a woman of childbearing age and from a nation that his people despise, well, this is a whole other deal the guardian redeemer would be required to support not only Naomi, but also Ruth and any potential children that they'd bear. So there are significant financial implications associated with the scenario. And because of those children, the property would be inherited through Elimelech's family line rather than his own. And what's more, Elimelech's name And not the Redeemer's name would be perpetuated through children he may have who are born by Ruth. Carrying on, the family name was massively important in this culture. Well, this is a completely different scenario than what the Guardian Redeemer envisioned back when he first said yes. When he finds out about Ruth, he does a 180 and he is out. He says... Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. And he officially relinquishes his guardian redeemer role. And then he removes his sandal, which might seem like a pretty odd thing to do at this point in our present day context. But back then, giving a sandal to someone was a way to symbolize the redemption and transfer of property. This practice might have been an allusion to property rights, in that it's the right of the person who owns the land to walk on it. Regardless, by removing his sandal, the closer relative is conveying that he's relinquished his right to redeem Elimelech's property and also to marry Ruth. At this point, Boaz declares. Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today, you are witnesses. So, Boaz seals the deal. He commits to purchase Elimelech's property from Naomi, and he commits to marry Ruth and carry on Elimelech's name. He fully embraces the role of guardian redeemer. Boaz does for Ruth what she cannot do herself. The price of this act isn't insignificant. It was enough for the other relative to do a hard pass on it. But Boaz is faithful to the Redeemer role, and he is faithful to Ruth. What we see here through Boaz is a demonstration of Hesed. Chesed is marked by faithfulness. When we extend chesed, that is, When we animate God's love in motion, we are a part of his faithful presence in our place and time. And when we do that, we reflect God's character. Faithfulness is a character trait or attribute of God. In fact, in Exodus 34, 6, God describes himself as compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. We see God's faithful and devoted character in the way he redeems Boaz's sacrificial and faithful act. While Boaz was willing to forgo his family name, his name wouldn't be forgotten. As the narrative in the book of Ruth draws to a close, God blesses Boaz and Ruth with a son. Their son, Obed would become the father of Jesse, and Jesse would become the father of David. David, the king of Israel, from whose line Jesus, the Messiah, would be born. Boaz's name wouldn't be forgotten. His name is ever written on the pages of the genealogy of Jesus, whose kingdom will endure forever God is faithful to Boaz. And, in the very same way, God is faithful to us. Since Genesis 3, when humanity broke from perfect union with God in the garden, God has sought to repair this brokenness, and he has never given up on us We see his outstretched arm in the way he faithfully blesses and pursues his people, drawing humanity close to him through his covenant relationships. For example, in God's covenant with Abraham, who was childless and whose wife was well beyond childbearing age, God promises to bless him with a family so large it's innumerable. We see in Genesis chapter 15 that God took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And what's more, God promises to provide land for Abraham's descendants to dwell and flourish in, and that through this family, all nations will be blessed. He just asks that Abraham trust in his leading and direct his children to do what's right and just. Now, let's fast forward to the book of Exodus. Here, we see God has been faithful to his promise to multiply Abraham's family, which has grown exponentially, and now they're a tribe. And after working through Moses to rescue his people from Egypt, God revisits the promises he made to Abraham and enters into a covenant with all of Israel. He will make them his treasured possession, holy and set apart a manifestation of his glory to the nations and a people who'd be woven into his grand redemptive story. And the Israelites? Well, for their part, they're to obey his laws, which are recorded in the book of Deuteronomy. Okay, so now let's fast forward to 2 Samuel. Israel is a nation now ruled by King David. And God promises David that he'll make his name great. And God promises he'll give David a royal kingdom through which the promises he made to Abraham and Israel will be fulfilled through his descendants. This kingdom will endure forever. And through his lineage, peace will be known and all nations will be blessed. And what's asked of David? He is to lead Israel well and with the Israelites walk in obedience and live out God's heart for righteousness and justice. So, God enters into these covenants with these various parties and do they fully live up to what they've been asked? Nope, they don't. Far from it. But God, in his unfailing love, restores and fulfills these covenants through a new covenant in Jesus. And through this, God reconciles not only the Israelites, but all people to him. God is faithful to his plan of reconciliation and redemption. He's faithful to this plan, which is woven directly into and through the story and lineage of Ruth. God's loving and faithful pursuit is unchanged despite humanity's failure after failure, despite broken covenant after broken covenant. God has lovingly, faithfully, and relentlessly pursued a relationship between himself and humankind. In Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 4, we read, expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The seeming impossibility of a relationship between a perfect God and an imperfect people is made possible through our guardian redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, our guardian redeemer, did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Through Jesus, God extends his transformational gift of grace made manifest through the matchless power of the cross. Through Jesus, Ephesians 1.5 tells us that we are adopted into sonship in him. The Greek word for adoption into sonship is a legal term and makes direct reference to full legal standing of an adopted male heir in Roman culture. We're heirs, adopted into God's family, not because of anything we've done or will ever do, but because of Jesus' great sacrifice and because we are his beloved. Through Jesus, God redeems and reconciles his creation to himself. And he redeems and reconciles humankind to one another, as we represent him as his adopted heirs, his daughters and sons in all of the places we've been sent. As we step back and look at the stories of redemption in the book of Ruth, we get a glimpse of God working in unseen ways to faithfully write his ultimate story of redemption, we see in the zoom out that these are a few pages of his grand narrative as the dots are connected between the lives of these characters and the lineage found at the end of the book of Ruth, the lineage which points us to the line of David and ultimately to the Messiah. And also, as we step back and look at the story of Ruth, we can see that God's grand story Consists of layer upon layer of smaller interconnected stories. Stories of relationships that seem like chance encounters, but are not. Stories of relationships that defy earthly logic that they even exist, but they do, against all odds. God unexpectedly and providentially works through these everyday relationships, marked by his love and motion, to redeem chaos and tragedy. We see God work through a woman who lost her husband and sons and a daughter-in-law that wouldn't leave her for anything. We see God work through a man of means who noticed someone with little means and did something about it. We see God work through a vulnerable individual who received a priceless gift, who is then transformed and moved to reciprocate it so that this other person could receive a priceless gift of her own. And we see God work through someone who readily and sacrificially stood beside a family responsibility and a family member even when others ran in the opposite direction. God worked through big and little acts of love to redeem trying times in the story of Ruth. And in the same way, when we demonstrate God's love, he writes stories of redemption in us and through us today. And like he did with the narrative of Ruth, God takes the simple pages of our stories in our everyday lives and folds them into the grand story of His faithful and providential work in all of the places He sends us. So, as we consider being God's presence in each of those places and live lives marked by unfailing, generous, reciprocal, and faithful love, Highway family, I invite you to consider the story God is writing through you. What's the story? Who is God calling you to cling to and demonstrate unfailing love to? What's the story? Where is God calling you to extend an extravagant act of generosity? What's the story? What could it look like to reciprocate a sacrificial gift received with a sacrificial gift given? And what would it look like to allow yourself to humbly receive a gift of love from another and be transformed in that process? What's the story? How is God calling you to live out devotion and faithfulness no matter what? Come what may. What's the story? What's the redemptive story that God has in store to write through your intentional presence in someone's life by living out His unbounded love? Perhaps that's through a relationship that's yet to be formed, or is budding, or is well established, or tenuous, or even estranged. What's the unfolding story? that God has in store to write through you today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your amazing love for us. Thank you for your love that is so great that you sent your beloved son, Jesus, who gave up everything so that, Father God, we could gain everything so that we can experience your presence and be in relationship with you. God, we pray that your active and unbounded love would fill us to overflowing and that we would pour out your love lavishly and faithfully onto others. And that in this, God, that your kingdom would be made known in the lives of those around us in real and tangible and practical ways? Would you show us what barriers stand in the way of living out your love well and give us freedom from that? And through the power of the Spirit, would you give us all that we need to represent you well so that these humble, few pages of our lives can be folded into the incredible story that you are writing as you make all things new. We love you, Father God, and we thank you for your eternal and unconditional love for us and for the honor to share that love with others. For it is in Jesus's name we pray. Amen.